My name is Fiona Zeiger and you're listening to the Migration Podcast. In this episode, we speak about how bureaucracy and law shape everyday lives, but we also learn more about how listening closely to research participants can yield insights that go beyond what is already known. Milena Belloni speaks to Cecilia Menchivar about liminality and the different, less obvious forms of violence faced by women in Guatemala and by Central American immigrants in the United States. Hi, Cecilia. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Milena. Thank you for the invitation. I very much appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation about my work. Throughout your research, you have been interested in different dimensions of violence as experienced in migrants' everyday life. You spoke about legal violence, structural violence, gender violence, the continuity of violence between the context of departure and the context of arrival. In all these forms of violence, you have tried to unveil the most normalized and invisible aspects of it. Could you tell us a bit more about how you came to be interested in this specific topic? I developed the interest as I was doing the research. And so let me explain. My first major project on immigration had to do with one form of violence because I was investigating the context of Salvadorian migration to the United States at a time when Salvadorians were fleeing political conflict. So I was really researching one aspect of multiple forms of violence. It was, it was political violence played a major role in my study participants' lives in motivating them to, to migrate to the United States. However, that was not the main point there. My second major project, which has nothing to do with migration, at least directly, was an ethnography of women's lives in Guatemala, in two towns in Guatemala. And the goal of that project was to research how women procure health treatments for themselves and their children when their children are ill. So it had nothing to do with violence either. However, I spent quite a bit of time listening and in the towns where I conducted the research. And I started to notice a form of everyday suffering in how they describe their lives to me. And so I wanted to find a way to capture this suffering that I started to see in the lives of the women um, in my study. So then I turned to the literature on structural violence, on symbolic violence, on everyday forms of violence. And for that, I turned to the work of critical medical anthropologists and of social scientists from Latin America who are very well versed in studying multiple forms of violence. Then I had a third project in the United States looking at how Central American immigrants in the Phoenix metropolitan area were experiencing the increased immigration enforcement. And, and I started to listen to the immigrants in Phoenix who would make parallels between what they were experiencing in Phoenix in terms of the enforcement strategies in Phoenix and what they had lived through during the civil wars in Central America. 
So they pointed me in that direction, and I started to see how the immigration laws and enforcement practices also constituted a form of violence very similar to the structural and symbolic and everyday violence that I had seen in Central America. And so then I, I started to think of it as legal violence because it comes from the state, it comes from the laws. And so I um, developed this, this concept of legal violence to understand the lives of Central American immigrants in the United States. You've also talked about legal liminality. Could you tell us a bit more about this concept? What does it mean and uh, its relevance and application in migration studies? Yes, I have focused almost all my work on migration in the United States on Central Americans. And they happen to have very different experiences of their legal status and of how they experience the law in their lives. And at the time when I started to focus on how legal status actually impacts the lives of Central Americans, I realized that they were not fully undocumented and they were not fully documented because so many of them had either a temporary protected status or they were they had applied for a particular visa and they were in limbo waiting for a determination. And so their lives in limbo, their lives in this gray area of in-betweenness led me to think of about what it means to leave that condition of liminal legality. And so again, it was my close attention to my study participants' lives, I very inductively developed this concept out of the lives of the immigrants, um, Central American immigrants in my studies. They do not have the same experiences as other undocumented immigrants in the United States in their temporariness and constant worry and constant concern about the uncertainty, the legal uncertainty in which they live came through very strongly. Maybe um, you could uh, say a few more words really about uh, what does it mean, legal liminality, and uh, uh, in what other contexts you've seen it applied or you, you think that it could be applied with, uh, with some success? Yes, what I mean by legal liminality in a condition that more and more people are experiencing now. It is a state where people have one foot in one status, but they can easily, it's so uncertain and so unpredictable, they can easily fall back to being undocumented. And so they are offered certain protections. They are offered a work permit. They are offered a some protections, but for a specific period of time, 18 months, two years, no more, it can be renewed, but every renewal is a reminder that they are in this uncertain, constant state of liminality. And the concept now, of course, has been used to study the lives of other immigrant groups, for instance, in the context of DACA in the United States, it has become very commonly used, but also beyond immigration studies. Some people have used the concept to 
capture the experiences of people who are embedded in the law, but not in prisons, but are outside, but tied to the justice system. It has been used to capture the lives of people who have been, through policy and law, pushed into uncertainty in their lives through bureaucratic decisions, through policy decisions. And now with the multiplication of temporary statuses around the world, the concept has become more, more useful to capture more experiences in other parts of the world as well. What are, let's say, the social, political and administrative mechanisms that allow laws like these kind of abstract entities to become part and parcel of migrants' daily lives? I think it's because these laws classify people into the different legal statuses. And so laws classify people into different statuses. And those statuses determine whether immigrants are going to be able to have formal employment or, or not, whether they are going to be able to access driver's licenses in the United States, for instance, or not, whether they're going to be able to open a bank account. Because legal status, it has become much more central for shaping immigrants' lives. It has become more difficult to obtain. And so this um, duality of legal status makes it quite central in the lives of immigrants, and not only the lives of the Central American immigrants in my, in my studies, it's become a very determining part of immigrants' lives throughout. It determines the kind of jobs, um, whether they will have access to higher education, whether they will have access to most things we do. It even impacts the friendships people can have. So it is very central. And it is also something that my study participants are very conscious about. They describe how they carry a work permit with them, how they, they sleep with a green card under their pillow, how they, they carry it um, even to go shopping to the corner store. They are constantly reminded that the bureaucracy, that law, really shapes their everyday lives. And one woman in Phoenix even told me, we live with the law in our lives. And so to me that it exemplifies how all these seemingly abstract systems become really embedded in people's lives every day. Last question. Maybe I don't know if you want to say a few words about your most recent project on uh, uh, migrants' detention. Uh, yes, I have not conducted research in detention centers, and I am not planning to do that. What we have done in connection to an ethnography that I've been doing in Kansas, in rural Kansas, is to focus on what happens to people who have left detention? And we're focusing on the women who have been allowed to leave detention and who are living in that rural community and how they might have left detention facilities physically, but remain very much 
tied to the detention bureaucracy through technology. They are surveilled every day in monetary forms as well, because they have pay fines, they have to pay for some of the technology that is used to surveil them. And so we are doing that work. The effects of detention beyond physical detention in how women live in their everyday lives, their connection to the system, that they never really are free when they leave detention facilities. Cecilia Menjivar is professor at the Department of Sociology at UCLA.